I had multiple soldiers come see me behind closed doors in my office in tears because they did not want to take the injection. Multiple. My wife lost both her parents in short order to uh, the vaccine. And then it just felt like dominoes. Yeah, and now my husband and one other are the last chaplain standing yep. uh, fighting for religious freedom. I will sign an executive order that will now require all executive branch federal employees to be vaccinated, all. 19 plus years in the military, you learn that uh, yes is the answer everybody wants. And yes is always the goal. Yeah. But yes comes at a cost. But I have heard nobody talk about the effect of this mandate on families. It's been so much on my children. It's really a loss of a dream. It's been devastating. My wife, she never wanted me to take it, but her mind just kept going, we're going to lose everything. The insanity of literally a chaplain not being able to get a religious account. It's worse. Loomis, how many of you guys know somebody who is vaccine injured? And how many of you guys know somebody who died after getting the vaccine? So that's even in itself shocking. How many of you guys know somebody who uh, died healthy person after getting COVID? Nobody. From what I've seen, none of the times have they directly acknowledged that it's from the vaccine, even though this perfectly healthy individual who you know, has a ranger tab, who's seen as this very physical specimen, if you will, you know, within the battalion, can't even go run a mile anymore without, you know, his heart rate spiking to 170, 180 beats a minute. One of the guys that, that I'm friends with, he um, really didn't want to take it, but he felt like he had to just be able to stay in. And then he got back from injured from it and is now having to get out. If a government was trying to undermine its institutions, undermine the trust of the people, divide them, cause chaos, and utterly destroy every foundation upon which it's built, Yep. What would they be doing differently than what they're doing right? Great question. What we're seeing here is a loyalty test. The question in everyone's mind should be loyalty to whom or what? Yes. Welcome to the Rob Maynard Show. That opening uh, video there was from the Robbie Starbucks Show, so we thank him for that. He's interviewing uh, veterans and family members about the COVID-19 vaccine mandate and how it's destroyed many, many things in the United States Armed Forces, including the health of family members and uh, veterans, not to mention careers, livelihoods, uh, and all kinds of things. Well, 231 Americans, uh, courageous Americans, I might add, signed the Declaration of Military Accountability that is a letter to the American people that came out on January 1st of this year. Uh, and uh, I also want to welcome my x Spaces simulcast audience with our hosts, uh, Shell and Kat over there. We appreciate it. And uh, January 1st of 2024 saw that latest generation of Americans decide to stand up uh, and live up to the values and actions of our founding fathers. The American people were sent an open letter with that Declaration of Military Accountability attached. The declaration is signed by 231 active duty, retired, and former uh, members of the U.S. Armed Forces who are calling for a return to accountability in, into the institution that we serve and, and serve uh, the Department of Defense and all of our service departments. Yes, I said we because I'm a signatory of the declaration and I'm very proud of it. I'm proud to join these folks because they have a lot of moral courage that is lacking within the leadership of the current Department of Defense. Our view is to reflect on the founders' values 
and ask the American people to step up and demand military accountability because we have exhausted all internal attempts at remedies for holding the senior officers and enlisted members accountable for their actions in issuing and enforcing illegal orders, especially through the illegal COVID-19 vaccine mandate on the armed forces by President Joe Biden. We're passionate about our effort because this single institution, the U.S. military, is the core of everything that is a free America. It created America. If it remains blindly following partisan political ideologies instead of serving and defending our Constitution, the country is lost. Well, today my guests are both signers of the Declaration too. Former U.S. Army First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw was court-martialed for his efforts to keep leadership on the narrow path of honor and fidelity to the law. And former U.S. Army Drill Sergeant John DeLarm, who was forced out of service within two years of reaching retirement, as was Lieutenant Bashaw. Uh, well, Mark and John, welcome to the Rob Manus Show, gentlemen. Let me bring you in here. We appreciate having you guys. And, I, and uh, the audience is listening, and uh, we will uh, uh, take questions from them eventually. But first, uh, Sergeant DeLarm, uh, tell your story about your, your Army career for, uh, for a minute, and then what happened to you to get forced out of the United States Army? Oh, yes, sir. How are you doing? Um, I'm glad to be Great. here. Um, so, yeah, I joined the Army uh, back in uh, December 28, 2004. Um, I did basic training at uh, Fort Hill, Oklahoma. Um, I'm an artilleryman, 13 Bravo, cannon crew member. Um, I immediately went to airborne school, um, and then I spent um, the bulk of my career at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Um, I made it all the way to. Um, and that's like I spent 12 years there, um, jump master. Um, in 2017, uh, I then moved over to uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, mm -hmm. to be a drill sergeant. Uh, um, I was promoted to sergeant first class um, April of 2018. And uh, I served three years uh, at Fort Jackson as a senior drill sergeant. And then I moved over to uh, Fort Blitz. Texas, um, where I served uh, till uh, 2022 November, and uh, I was kicked out over this vaccine uh, mandate. Well, thank you for for telling us your story, man. And uh, was there a religious exemption involved in in, uh, in your refusal to take the vaccine, or was it medical or something else, or just on principle? So, um, I, I I am religious. I do believe in God. Um, mm -hmm. but going through the, the, um, the vaccine and the mandate and then like looking through the CDC and, um, there, there's a immunization information system and the yeah. CDC website. Um, so back in August of 2020, when I was looking through this system, um, it had already stated, uh, per the CDC, and I'm paraphrasing, that uh, there's an excess amount of emergency use authorized vaccines within the United States. So therefore, they're not going to produce common already, which is the approved Pfizer vaccine at the time. Yeah. And there's not going to be in the United States. So, so mm -hmm. there was no reason for me to um, submit a religious exemption. So I had um, 
uh, my uh, chain of command, uh, protect communications. Um, I showed those papers in the document, uh, black and white, on the CDC website. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the way the military is, um, I didn't think it was necessary to, to go as far as doing religious exemption um, because it was obvious um, it was a violation of a U.S. Code 1107 Alpha for uh, the military to force soldiers to take these authorized um, Okay. Well, let's bring Mark in here. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, uh, former U.S. Army, but also, I mean, your career is a little bit more than just uh, the United States Army, Mark. Uh, tell the audience uh, about uh, your long service. Both of you guys were within just a couple of years of retirement at 20 years before uh, you uh, came across this, uh, I call it an atrocity. Uh, uh, because it just it just uh, blows my mind that we would release all all of these competent military service members, uh, especially in the light of the recruiting crisis and retention crisis we had. But uh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, so I served uh, ended up serving a total of seventeen and a half years. I started out um, active duty the entire time. I started out enlisted with the Air Force. Uh, served enlisted up until I made Master Sergeant, which is E seven in the Air Force. Uh, all around the world, world 10 years uh, overseas, the Middle East, Panama, Central America, Germany, Japan, Korea, and, and then um, came back to the United States where I then did a direct commission into the Army, uh, into the Army Medical Service Corps back in September 2019 as a, as a first lieutenant. So I went from Master Sergeant in the Air Force one day, and the next day I was a first lieutenant in the Army. And after, immediately after training, I was stationed at the Army Public Health Center, uh, where I spent the last three years until I was unlawfully discharged on June 26, 2023. So you were, uh, uh, you, you were a brand new medical services officer. That's uh, correct. Yes, so I was in the U.S. Uh, Army in September yep. before COVID hit. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, it, one of the questions I had for you is... Uh, uh, was your uh, initial refusal uh, a religious exemption request? My my initial refusal was a religious accommodation request, but it was a religious accommodation request for all vaccines. Because at that point in time, through my research and through my understanding and through my faith based, uh, you know, my faith based process. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to continue down this path of injecting myself with these products. And then additionally, on top of that, alluding to exactly what Sergeant First Class Delarm said, there was no need given the fact that there was no FDA approved and licensed products and the service member must be given the option to accept or refuse. And mm -hmm. given also the fact that I was a medical officer at the Army Public Health Center, I was very concerned why the military medical community was not communicating that to service members. And so I started communicating that up the chain of command uh, up, up until I you know, started getting retaliated against. So on your religious uh, exemption request, uh, how was that received, especially considering it was for all vaccines? I mean, that uh, you know, the, most of the folks I've talked to is specifically about the COVID-19 vaccine because of what they had learned about it. But uh, I think if I had still been on active duty, I learned the same things you did, Mark. 
uh, I probably would have been asking for uh, one like you did against for all of them because of the testing and development yeah. Uh, yeah. uses. How were yeah, you received? Yeah, so I pushed it up just uh, like the same as everybody else. There's an established process, and there's been an established process for decades. Yeah. Um, it it got, you know, my chain of command pushed it up. It got denied by the uh, Surgeon General of the Army, uh, uh, General Dingle. And then um, I rebutted that. I appealed that, pushed it up further, and they kind of disappeared. It, it I never really heard back, and, and because I was dealing with, such immense retaliation with a court martial uh, and other retaliatory events against me uh, that that kind of got put on the back burner to to my understanding or that's you know that's my assumption of it and before we go to the audience what was the main what, what was the charge in your court martial so refusing to participate with emergency use authorized products okay. so refusing to participate with the masking with the testing specifically mm -hmm. Uh, but it was due to my quote-unquote unvaccinated status, the military started weaponizing the masking and the testing against unvaccinated service members in order for them to access their place of duty. So, so a coercive tactic in order to increase the injection rate among the force. And uh, immediately when that order came down, I filed the Article 138 with my chain of command, which is a service member's ability to to file a redress mm -hmm. uh, and immediately I was met with article 92 charges I was banned from all Army Public Health Center facilities I was threatened with Leavenworth imprisonment and I was eventually sent to a court-martial behavioral health was weaponized against me um, and then ultimately discharged along with um, sergeant first-class alarm yeah, we have a tendency uh, to use every tool in the toolbox once we go down the road of court martial or, or UCMJ punishment. Article 92 is uh, uh, refusal to follow an order, if I remember correctly. Is that Failure right? to obey an order, but yeah. that order must be based upon laws, right. lawful, lawful orders. Um, and my challenge was still to this day, they weren't lawful orders, given the fact that these are emergency use authorized products and a service member must be given the option to accept or refuse. We don't treat, we don't experiment on service members yet the last three years, we went on a experimentation on humanity, not just service members. Yeah, and we're going to dive deeper into that legality of this order because uh, having you two on gives us that opportunity to talk to people directly about it. Uh, let's go to the audience now and uh, uh, and take question, a question or two. Kat and Shell are the hosts over there. Uh, you guys, uh, I see some hands up. Uh, whoever was first, go ahead and, and uh, we'll go to Sergeant Delarm first. Go ahead. Um. Well, unfortunately, my hand was up first. I know it's shocking that I have to say thank you all for your service to this country. I know you're all patriots. I have a question for all all three of you. Um, I know, Colonel, you weren't in the position that they were in with uh, the forced vaccinations. But if they if a new commander in chief comes comes on and says, you know, it was an egregious thing that was done to you, would you go back if they offered you reoffered to recommission you? Would you go back in the military? after what has happened in this experience that you've been through. Just kind of curious, because I know it's kind of a lot. John? I, I, yeah, John, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it first. So um, the Commander-in-Chief came in um, and said that it was egregious. Um, sure, that's uh, state 
hitting the point and, and you're uh, admitting to what happened, but we need accountability for all the actions that occur. Um, mm. You're giving injections to soldiers that are under emergency use. They're not approved. Um, you know, the soldiers are, are test dummies at this point, and you can't take that back. So we must have ability for what has happened uh, before I, I think, uh, well, before I would go back at any point. I, yeah, and I'd have to agree with that. Um, that's my same sentiment. And I think the easiest way to do that uh, in the commander in chief standpoint is, um, you know, this is exactly what I would do. I would look for all those commanding generals that signed off on unlawful GOMARs against service members and removing them from service because ultimately they just signed off on their crimes. And we can't have that in, in the force. We can't have service members that are violating the law, that are violating their oath of office, that are, that are, that are throwing their airmen, sailors, Marines, and soldiers under the bus so they can appease their uh, appease their careers so they can maintain their careers or, or continue up the ladder. And, and am I correct, guys, uh, in, uh, in my assessment, uh, you probably had the same reasoning, I, uh, similar to it sounds like it, uh, for your signing of the Declaration of Military Accountability. I mean, we kind of touched on it, but I haven't asked you the question directly. Uh, why did you sign it? Uh, you have anything to add besides uh, the answers to those questions? Uh, to that question, it sounds pretty clear to me. I mean, I would not go back uh, unless my my record was going to be expunged, my rank was going to be set to the proper place it should be for for the total number of years of service to the date I go back in, uh, and uh, uh, and my promotion uh, competitiveness uh, be corrected uh, both through timing uh, and professional uh, qualifications. Uh, uh, in future promotion boards. That, that's that's what it would have to be for me, a complete wiping the slate clean in addition to resetting my career so that my age isn't held against me or my data rank isn't held against me and those kind of things. Uh, 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 and in order to do that, we have to have accountability in the military on this issue. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I would say that that for me is secondary to accountability. I'm I'm not going to go I'm not going to go back into a force with 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 tyrants essentially with individuals who I know vital, violated the law after I properly served them and communicated with them not only the law but from a medical aspect the dangerous uh, the substantial dangers to public health and safety with these injections and the signals the immense signals in the database that was damaging our force with the with the adverse events uh, so Accountability is number one, and I will continue forth everything I can do from even my standpoint as one of we the people uh, to, to continue forth and, and putting these commanding generals, putting these generals on notice, which I've continued to do, uh, recently filed a, a, um, a complaint, a criminal complaint, violations of UCMJ uh, with General Hamilton, which is the Army Material Command. Uh, against his his subordinate commander, Major General Edmondson. Well, thanks, uh, John. Did you have anything to add before I go to the next question? Um, so, as a sort of first class um, on the enlisted side, I mean, our job is to take care of soldiers, the health and welfare of mm -hmm. soldiers, and just watch the opposite of that happening um, through the whole chain of command. 
uh, you know, it really hurts and it really affects the force as a whole. I mean, you're losing trust between uh, your soldiers and your leadership because of all the violations within the law. So, and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I agree with Mark 100%. Uh, but yes, uh, we must hold them accountable, and, and that should be the first thing that happens. Outstanding. Uh, well, we've got another hand up, uh, guys, over in the Spaces audience. Uh, let's go over and take that question. James B's got a question for you guys. Hello, uh, gentlemen. Thank you all for your service. Um, my question is, my question is a couple of fold. What do you think about what the military is doing to vaccine injured uh, military service people? And another thing, um, as a child of an Air Force veteran, um, my question is, how is the VA helping you with any of these issues if you have medical, if you have issues, I mean, sorry. Thanks for the great, uh, great questions. Uh, John, uh, let's go to you first. Okay, um, so I, I can answer um, the vaccine injured. Um, so as far as the military is uh, um, not admitting to the fact that uh, as far as I know, because I'm in contact with a few vaccine injured soldiers personally, um, and they've been vaccine injured for, um, I believe, going on to now, uh, since the beginning of the day. And, uh, you know, the, the military taking accountability, they're not admitting that the vaccine injured any soldiers. Um, those soldiers, um, if they're, they're injured enough to where they can't actually perform their duty, um, they're actually... Um, you know, separating those soldiers. And some of those soldiers, um, they're trying for separation through, um, you know, health issues because they believe a lot are in their head. Um, so it, it's very sad that they won't even uh, acknowledge that uh, these soldiers are vaccine injured and, and they're using other means just to get rid of them and push them to the side. Um, as far as the VA goes, um, or, you know, um, I guess uh, disability claims, um, personally, myself, um, I was lucky. Uh, I think because I was a sergeant first class, I knew most of the chain of command, and uh, I was uh, very vocal with them uh, in showing them every, um, the evidence that I had. And, you know, they, they kind of took my side a bit, but at the end of the day, they, they still uh, they still what they thought was right, um, which we all know they're on the wrong side of the line. Uh, however, I, I got a uh, honorable discharge, um, so I, I was still able to you know, file for the uh, VA disability claims that, that uh, you know, I, I had needed. Thanks, John. Mark? Yeah, I got nothing to add other than, I mean, we've seen across the board where the DOD isn't properly recognizing uh, the vaccine injured, even though their databases are showing the spikes uh, and, and two of their databases, which is VAERS. VAERS is a database that the Department of Defense officially uses for vaccine uh, adverse event reporting, and then also the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database that's also showing immense signals. And so 
I think uh, recently they've come out and recognized some of the myocarditis increases, uh, but as a whole, there hasn't been a um, consistent uh, collective recognition of the vaccine injured. And then the same with the, the, the VA. The VA isn't treating these service members properly either. Yeah, I've, I've seen, uh, just to add to that, I've seen the policy uh, uh, in writing that says they're not going to acknowledge service connection for vaccine injured for uh, COVID-19 vaccines, which, which I think is, is uh, uh, short-sighted, uh, mean, spirited, uh, and unethical quite honestly, because uh, because we have the facts now uh, and uh, we, we've had enough time. We've got enough anecdotal evidence. We even have peer-reviewed papers uh, and research that shows uh, the, the vaccine injured and, and what the force is seeing uh, uh, amongst young people that shouldn't be having it, like strokes and heart attacks and uh, those kind of things, is what these this research has shown. Uh, it's going to be, you know, the numbers may not be huge, but they're pretty damn big. Uh, a number of one is too much, and the VA, VA needs to correct it. So well, I've got another video clip here, uh, guys. Uh, it's a Mark, an OAN interview, but it gives a little more detail about the issues. Uh, I want to run that real quick, and then uh, we'll talk about it on the backside. There were no FDA-approved injections available for service members, and so there's a, there's a statutory law that comes along with that in the fact that service members must be given the option to accept or refuse. So I was communicating that up my chain of command, and then largely for the unvaccinated service members, we'll call them, uh, they, they began to weaponize the testing protocols against the service members who had religious convictions, such so? as myself. Um, so basically what they did was all the service members who were quote-unquote unvaccinated in order to obtain access to their place of duty they would have to participate with the emergency use authorized testing kits to show a negative result before they could go perform their duties highly discriminatory and highly unlawful given the fact that even the testing kits weren't FDA approved and by federal statute a service member again must be given the option to accept or refuse so those since you, you refused the vaccine and you didn't you you didn't get the testing I guess right right so what happened so then I was I was communicating this protected communication up my chain of command uh, there was a staff judge advocate by the name of Colonel uh, Yevgeny Vinman who then decided to press charges against me uh, bring it forth to a court-martial Yevgeny Vinman Yevgeny Vinman. Vinman is very familiar for some reason yes yeah, so that's the the twin brother of Alexander Vinman the colonel uh, apparently they were both uh, who the, drove the impeachment of uh, the former president. That's correct. So after uh, they got removed from the White House, uh, he went to Aberdeen Proving Grounds to be the staff judge advocate for my commanding general. So he was the one that uh, recommended to the commanding general to bring me to uh, a court-martial for after communicating these protected communications through the chain of command uh, to perform a redress with my commanding general. Instead, they brought me to a court-martial uh, and convicted me, but the judge ended up giving me no punishment. Uh, however, the judge even further recommended to the commanding general to drop everything because uh, I am a protected communicator. Uh, the, unfortunately, the commanding general decided to use the conviction as means for elimination of my service after 17 years of active duty.
Wow. You know, uh, John, did you ever get threatened with court-martial or, or Article 15 under the UCMJ, non-judicial punishment, any of those kinds of things? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't get threatened with anything. They did have us all in a formation um, so on the 31st of August. Um, we all got called to go to the motor pool, and it was actually the whole, um, uh, you know, uh, armored uh, division. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so um, I have a con op, but it was a probably uh, 1,600 soldiers that didn't want to get the vaccine. And uh, they were all called in. Uh, they formed up uh, to get their initial shot. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, commanders read a paper. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was a policy letter or what. Um, they never gave it to us. We've never seen it. I asked for it several times. We weren't afforded to uh, look at it. But throughout this paper, um, he read, uh, you're going to take the common party vaccine, and the re- refusal of the vaccine will result in uh, some sort of UCMJ action. Um, so there was a threat there. And, um, and then after that, you know, we formed up to, to take the vaccine. And, um, and just to, to show you how um, uh, coercive it was, uh, you know there wasn't an approved vaccine on the coast at that time. Um, the, there was a, a DHA form, uh, 207, and uh, it's, it's the form you fill out prior to taking a, uh, a vaccine. It's the uh, COVID-19 vaccine screening and immunization documentation. Um, mm-hmm. And if you go down to block six on this form, that uh, we're in formation, they read that doc, uh, the document. They handed us this uh, DHA form 207, and... Um, they said, just fill this out, sign here, sign here, initial this block, and then uh, go get in line and get your vaccine. Mm-hmm. Myself, I read the form. Um, obviously, you want to read before you sign something. And uh, block yeah. six stated, it stated that I'm, I know I'm about to take, uh, I'm paraphrasing, I acknowledge that I'm about to take a uh, emergency use authorization in vaccine. And, uh, and so when you sign that block, you're basically saying you agree to it. And uh, you, you, most of those, none of those soldiers even knew. And yeah. like I said, there was approximately 1,600 soldiers, and, uh, and they went in to take that back. It's incredible. And the law you, you mentioned uh, in the very first question and response uh, actually says that uh, no one can be forced to take an EUA uh, vaccine without enforced, informed consent. Uh, and you still have the right of refusal, even with informed consent, isn't that right, Mark? I mean, you you mentioned that the, protect, the the phrase protected communication several times in that clip. You are officially a, a whistleblower in the United States Army, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I've submitted whistleblower declarations to Senator Ron Johnson's office, um, and and you're exactly right. And and I would argue that with an emergency use authorized product, there you can't possibly have informed consent given the fact that it's such a, it's so new and I I call it experimental, but it's so new and experimental. We don't know the short term, medium term, long term effects. That's why it, it was critically important for commanders to understand that, Hey, you really need to inform your service members that they must be given the option to accept or refuse. And that's why we have the federal law. It came out of the anthrax debacle uh, back in the early, late 90s, uh, early 2000s. 
And that's why we had the legislation in place so that would never happen again, yet we saw it happen again for the past three years. And so yeah. the, the immense coercion that was taking place and, and John and I, John, you know, being a senior NCO and myself being an officer, you know, the coercion was heavy. And I, I mean, they banned me from, they did all sorts of things to me, but some of the coercion that these junior enlisted service members received were absolutely, I mean, it was, I went through SEER training back in 2014 and mm -hmm. it's something equivalent to the adversaries within SEER training. And those adversaries, unfortunately, were the, the, our brothers and sisters in uniform with the same American patch on their shoulder, banning us from federal, our, our places of duty, threatening us with court-martial or sending us to court-martial or threatening us with Leavenworth imprisonment, bringing us to behavioral health. Some of these enlist, junior enlisted got locked up in, in, in their rooms, weren't allowed out of, their, out of their rooms within their barracks. We're, we're being slid food under the freaking doorway like you're a prisoner. Like, give me a break. Wow. Something that I learned in, in listening to you guys, though, is that the, the tests were EUA tests, the PC, PCR tests, I think it's called. PCR uh, and, and the even the And even the, the ventilators that were used early on that I think murdered a lot of people uh, unintentionally, I, I, I think. You know, the, the medical folks that were trying to use that had good intentions, but uh, even those were EUA for this treatment. Uh, so Americans, not just because you were in the military, but Americans in general have a right to refuse that, even if they have so-called informed consent. And like you said, you can't really get informed consent on an EUA. But what's the issue with, I thought the SecDef signed a letter that said only FDA licensed and approved vaccines would be used. Uh, what's the issue associated with that, though? Because uh, it's still EUA, even if the FDA licensed it. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, but were FDA licensed vaccines for COVID-19 ever used by the Department of, of Defense? No, there was never any available. The SecDef's memo did did order the FDA approved and licensed, but being the Secretary of Defense, you should understand that you didn't have any of those products available for your service members. Yeah. So why not just hold off and, and be transparent and communicate your supply? Instead, what he did was he authored that memo and the, the military leaders within each command started forcing their service members faster and faster to appease their bosses to show green on their slideshows like hey we've got everybody vaccinated well the problem was they didn't have it was their duty it was the commander's duty under army fragmentary order number five to ensure that their local medical facilities had the fda approved and licensed which they didn't and which me and eight other service members came out and wrote a whistleblower declaration, submitted it to Congress. Heck, the, FD, the, the Department of Justice and the DOD came out in May of 2022 and admitted in a federal court case, Coker v. Austin, that in fact, they never had the quote unquote approved products or the Comanati labeled products until until the days after that filing and they admitted it in the court. But yeah. even after those days, it still wasn't the FDA approved and licensed. It was a right. 
it was a shadow game. It was a bait and switch. It was a labeling scheme. It was it was complete and utter corruption. And, and John, you were you, you you were a sergeant first class, so you're upper level NCO, uh, you know, above the middle level. Uh, uh, so you have soldiers working for you. Uh, what were the discussions like uh, about this? Because uh, look, I was enlisted, and so was Mark, and we both know that nothing gets done, or uh, uh, and and nothing contentious certainly happens on an installation where you know the E what we used to call in the Air Force the E four mafia uh, doesn't get hold of it and talk it out extensively in, in the barracks or uh, you know or at parties or whatever. What were they telling you? Uh, yes, well, uh, of course, I was a senior NCO, um, platoon sergeant, so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had anywhere from 30 to 40 soldiers beneath me. Um, I spoke to the uh, the other platoon sergeant all the time, uh, his, his platoon. Really, I was involved in the entire battery, especially if you go to the field and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So it was the, it was the, you know, the talk of the town. Um, most of the soldiers, I would say, if I throw a number on it, 90% of uh, the enlisted soldiers, they, they weren't going to get the vaccine. They didn't want it, wanted nothing to do with it. Um, they understood that it was a brand new product. They might have all known it was EUA. Um, of, course, of course, if they asked me, I tell them. Um, and I was honest with them. Um, I, I told them, you know, I'm not getting it because it, it's used product. It's not the approved product. Mm-hmm. I show them the documentation, um, and I told them, you know, if you get it, you know, that's on you. Like, you do what you want to do. Like, it's, it's your choice. Um, I never force on anyone. Um, however, most of the soldiers' concerns, um, none of them, 90%, like I said, didn't want it. Uh, like I said, when, when they went um, on the 31st of August, when they were forced to get it at that point, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's 1,600 soldiers that, that didn't want it. And then there was 200 more. Um, you know, National Training Center because you're getting ready to do rotation. So, yeah. most of the soldiers didn't want it. Uh, and they, they had already been sick from COVID. And they had already recovered. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was fine. And, you know, and, and they were, uh, to go back to what Mark, or, you know, Mark, Mark was saying earlier in that video that we watched, just so I can touch on that before we move on. Um, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the PR test, um, you know, they were weaponizing those as well. Um, we'd get back and leave. If you weren't vaccinated, they would uh, uh, make you get swabbed, you know, once a week for, you know, a month, which is ridiculous. Um, after a while, uh, they had uh, made every uh, soldier that wasn't vaccinated uh, twice a week get their nasal swab in order to enter a medical or a military facility. Um, so if you wanted to come to work then, you had to get your, your nose swab and you know they are emergency use authorized um and you know uh, there's a, a a cleaning product they use for these medical products and they're called ethylene oxide and the ethylene oxide is uh it, it causes cancer uh, so um, just to get that uh, it's, it's one of the leading causes of cancer i should say and, and just to get that done you know two three times a week um you know, it's horrible uh, what we're doing to these soldiers and trying to force them to, to get these EUA products. 
Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, some of these chemicals are safe if they're used very sparingly or at the appropriate, you know, intervals and everything. But, uh, but those PCR tests, I mean, they, if you're in the military, you're, you're not the first person I've talked to that said you were having to get it done two or three times a week. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's a concern. That's a concern. That's a toxic exposure. Uh, right well, there that, uh, again, the VA should be looking at all of this uh, uh, for service connection, and we'll, uh, we'll push on them uh, to do that. Uh, Mark, you mentioned in that video clip, uh, Yevgeny Vindman. He goes by Eugene, folks, on, on Twitter, by the way, Eugene Vindman. He's Alexander Vindman's brother, uh, and, and the host in the OAN show pointed out, ah, yeah, his brother Alexander uh, did the impeachment. Uh, uh, accusation against the former president. Uh, do you think that this was political uh, uh, when they uh, decided to go ahead and go forward with a court martial on you? I I believe so. Given uh, given how he reacted afterwards when they secured a conviction, when when he goes out and he was still active duty full bird colonel at the time, he goes out on his Twitter account and brags to the world how, how he secured the first court martial for COVID-19, uh, whatever COVID-19 measures against the first lieutenant, went out and bragged about it. And now we see he retired soon after, and now we see uh, he's running for office in District yeah. 7 of Virginia. So, of course, you know, he's acting like, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, a political theater. Um, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. Uh, and uh, uh, when the judge pronounced sentence, there really wasn't one uh, on that. That's very unusual. Right. So I, again, I sat on the stand. I got cross-examined for close to five hours. Um, and again, I was sitting on the stand as a medical officer, as a preventive medicine officer, as a medical entomology at the Army Public Health Center, saying these products are dangerous and deadly. We have the data, vaccine adverse event reporting system, the, the testing protocols like we alluded to earlier, not only ethyl oxide, but the reagents that came with those testing kits that they were handing out like candy, sodium azide. There's sodium azide in the reagents and we've had nationwide, we've had deaths from children getting into those reagents or, or individuals not knowing what they were doing when they're, when, they're, when they're using these testing kits and they've exposed themselves and died from these testing kits. It's in the government's own database. And the reagent is the the little drop of uh, uh, of liquid you put on the uh, the swab inside the test packet, right? Or, right. So after you swab yourself with the ethyl oxide swab thing, in, you know, infused with ethyl oxide, you dip it into the reagent and you wait for your quote unquote uh, results. Even though these are immensely uh, faulty products. Uh, immense false positives. We've had we've had service members test bananas and, and come yeah. up positive, right? And wow. um, and same with the PCR test. Now those are two different things. Yes. PCR testing is a is a um, is a I would say a computer machine. They take it, they spin it up, uh, mm -hmm. they you know cycle thresholds and they you know genomic sequencing all that. 
Whereas your rapid antigen test kits, it's almost like a pregnancy kit you, you, know, you go home with. So, so yeah, emergency use authorized, a service member must be given the option to accept or refuse, but even the general public, there's laws protecting the general public as well, which is United States Code 21, 360, triple Bravo, where the general public must be given the option to accept or refuse these products as well. So if you're the general public out there and you are coerced and forced and manipulated into participating with the testing, you might want to put some public servants on notice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got some hands up over in the uh, Spaces audience. Let's go to questions over there. Kat and Shell, what do you have? AJ's got a question for you guys. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for your service. I have a question um, regarding what your thoughts about Pentagon going forward, specific. I mean, you know, uh, there's a fear amongst the younger generation that is graduating high school and is attending, you know, early years of college right now, uh, and that is, uh, what is stopping Pentagon from adhering to an unofficial bait and switch switch uh, strategy to basically do whatever they need to do to achieve their recruitment goals and then switch the policies on them and uh, basically do what they have done to you guys and others that are not uh, unfortunately uh, alive with us to uh, make their voices heard. Uh, being a patriot, serving one's country has never been an issue for these uh, people and I'm sort of preaching to the choir being you know you who you are uh, but uh, if freedom was a blade, then the edge of it would be the members of our military where they are sharpened. And that's where the, that's the part of the metal that meets the meat. But once a patriot is cornered between their own patriotism and the very thing they're trying to serve, which is their country, being out there with policies that will destroy them, then where, where is the patriot to do? Um, with that, I yield. Thank you very much for your services. Thanks, AJ. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I can answer that. So uh, the Patriot, the military service member needs to understand the only legitimate lawful contract they have when they enter service is their oath of enlistment, is their oath of office. So if that Patriot is looking at serving our nation, they understand that Department of Defense Form 4 is their contract with the service to uphold and support the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. So if you receive, God willing, or uh, God forbid, you receive unlawful orders, you have a duty to defy those orders, but you also have a duty to communicate properly up your chain of command. And I don't care if you're an E1 or you're an O9. Um, if you're an E1, you still have the authority to be a lesser magistrate, to challenge the higher magistrate, uh, should should um, a, a situation occur uh, to defend and protect the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic. Yeah, and, and folks, Mark just expressed a basic principle that all military members of, from the United States are taught from day one. You have a duty and responsibility to disobey unlawful orders. I use the word disobey, uh, uh, but uh, defy, I think, is what's in the law. Uh, and, and John... Uh, uh, you guys have both talked about accountability in the letter and everything. How far down the chain of command does accountability need to go to get this right 
so the Department of Defense and the services can move forward as as uh, the uh, the honorable, ethical, and law-abiding institutions that uh, that are the core uh, of America. Uh, yeah. So uh, from from what I believe and from what I've seen and uh, you know from the first sergeants and above, uh, realistically need to be held accountable. Um, a first sergeant is there uh, to be an advisor to his commander. You know, so for a first sergeant, you know, said, hey, this is wrong. It's illegal. We can't do this. And then anytime that commander, um, you know, told the first sergeant, hey, go do this, have the soldiers meet up here, um, you know, make sure they're getting their vaccine, uh, make sure they're doing X, Y, Z, you know, everything they're not supposed to be doing, uh, that's illegal. Um, that first sergeant should have said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You, you go do it. It's illegal, and I refuse. Uh, so I think uh, first sergeants and above need to be held accountable. Um, a lot of platoon sergeants out there, uh, I don't know where they stand, but, you know, uh, I don't know if I'd go that low, but I, I guarantee first sergeants and above uh, should be paying for that. And to uh, caveat off what Mark was saying earlier um, to answer that question, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as an enlisted soldier, we're so busy, just, you know, busy work, work here, there, trying to get this mission done, uh, trying to train, uh, what, what it is. We're just so busy, you know, doing everyday tasks. Um, you're talking, you know, you know, zero five in the morning till 1700 at night, and then you go home and you just want to go to sleep. Um, you know, what, what you can do on your level is you can, you, you got to pull up the regulations. You got to read. You got to study. You got to know what you're talking about. You can't just uh, complain about whatever. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to say Army Regulation 6200.20. Um, you can't take a. Uh, you can't force me to take an emergency use authorized act. You have to know what you're talking about, and then, you know, like Mark said, you have to have uh, protective communications to be able to uh, push that forward. But it, it, it all starts with studying and understanding what you're talking about through those, you know, rules, regulations. Uh, good advice, you know, folks. Uh, and we train our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and, and Coast Guardsmen, and, and I guess Space Force Guardians, too. I can't swear to that one because I have never been in that service or worked with them, uh, uh, to, uh, to know the law when it comes to uh, your orders. Uh, we train everybody down to E1 that what their role is and, and how they should know uh, what's right and what's wrong, what's legal and what's not uh, from their perspective. Uh, and, uh, and it is on them to study and make sure that you understand uh, what the risk is uh, and that what you're opposing, if you are opposing an unlawful order, uh, is actually unlawful. Uh, so uh, very good advice, John. Well, I want to get into a little bit about uh, uh, what you guys are doing now. And I got a little video clip here from a project I think John uh, is organizing. It's called the Forgotten Soldiers Challenge. I wanted to play this one because it really touched my heart uh, before we uh, get into talking about what y'all are doing today uh, and going forward. Uh, because uh, uh, it's heartbreaking, folks. It's heartbreaking what America has done to the men and women uh, that have served and are serving this country. Here you go. I'm Chaplain James Link. 
I stand before you today in the midst of this Christmas tree and holiday season to remind you of all the various service members whose lives have been literally destroyed by this COVID vax. Today, I want to give you a perspective of myself serving as a U.S. Army chaplain and how the vaccine destroyed me and disabled me. I served as a, a battalion chaplain from 2009 to 2023 in various posts throughout the Army. My last deployment was in 2021 in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. In 2021 is when COVID pandemic occurred and little known to all of us is when my hell was about to begin. We began our deployment in Kuwait, which is a jumping off point to many areas in combat, such as Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. When I arrived in Kuwait in 2021, there was no social distancing. I was of soldiers throughout the world. The CG in Iraq ordered all of us to get the COVID vax. I received the Janssen one-shot vaccine, which was not FDA approved at the time. As a result, I took the vax due to being gaslighted and threatened of court-martial if I did not take the vaccine. Ten hours later, of receiving the vax, I became very, very ill. Immediately transported back to Kuwait and had to go to the Hadi Hospital for emergency pacemaker surgery. I will continue to serve others every day for the rest of my life. I will continue my chaplain mission to nurture and care for the wounded and honor the fallen killed by this vax. Thank you and God bless you. That's the Forgotten Soldiers Challenge. Uh, number one, John, uh, is what I found uh, when I was taking a look at it. Uh, uh, what's the response you're getting to this challenge, this program? So, um, realistically, my, my channel itself is uh, fairly new. Um, I got uh, separated, you know, November uh, 2022. Uh, so immediately, mm -hmm. once I got out, I started. Um, uh, really, I've been just taking my entire experience um, and putting it out on the line. So, uh, all the way from the 31st of August, um, going all the way up till I got kicked out, uh, making videos, kind of explaining what we went through, the legalities. Uh, I'm working on my Article 138 right now. Um, the video explaining the process, the initial request for redress, um, sending that uh, protective communications up, up in the Article 138. So it, it's all fairly new. Um, so I haven't got a lot of um, response. I've gotten a lot of uh, like looks um, through Twitter, um, a lot of thumbs ups. I got a you know a couple of verbal communications that we talked about back and forth. You know, um, but I think a lot of the the individuals that are within military still, mm -hmm. um, I think you know as well as I do, they can't really speak out and say anything, um, you know, possible UCMJ, you know, for them. But, you know, the uh, the challenge is basically to spread awareness, uh, not just to soldiers, but to the population itself. Um, yeah. I did my video, um, and I just briefly um, – you know, I gave my entire career, you know, everything from jump master, paratrooper, um, drill sergeant, just trying to, to shed some light on, you know, everything I've been through in my career. And 
and what the Army got rid of and what they lost. And yeah. uh, I met Chaplain James uh, just last year, and we talked. Uh, he actually does a whole video that I, I got with him explaining everything that happened to him from Afghanistan, uh, being threatened to get court-martialed, taking the vaccine, um, uh, having a pacemaker put in. None of the chaplains visited him in the hospital. You know, so um, he was eager to get this challenge done and um, just just let the people know, spread his awareness um, that he is vaccinated and this is real. It happened, and to help pull people out of denial, and uh, it's it's important that he did that and, and for that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, and, and the chaplain and Chaplain Link uh, pointed out something that all of us share, and that is our our intention and uh, and our desire and our actions to continue to serve not just veterans but the country that we serve uh, for so long. Uh, uh, where can folks find that channel, John? What's the name of it? We'll put it in the spaces, uh, uh, whatever they call that thing that where they put information because it'll live in this. We record it and then share it later. Where do they, where do they find it? So I I have all my videos um, that I make. It's about twenty free right now and, and growing. I'm doing some more work. Um, it's on Rumble. It's called The Forgotten Soldiers with an SPM. And okay. uh, it's all it's all one word. And then also if you just uh, if you can go on Facebook, it's called Delarm John. It's just the opposite. Okay. And uh, pull me up and you can friend request me. All the videos are on there. It's all free. Um, I'm not making any profit. I just want to get the word out there, spread awareness, and let people know what's going on. So I appreciate it. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, thank you. And, uh, and folks, he, uh, John is on X, too. It's at John DeLarm, right? Yes. Uh, X is at John DeLarm19344. Uh, 19344. Uh, we'll make sure that we uh, we tag you and, and share things with you. And Mark, uh, uh, as far as the future goes and what you're doing now, uh, 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 what are your plans? Yeah, so right now I, I'm in a site called freedomfighter1776.com, similar to uh, Sergeant First Class, to get the mission and the truth into the American people's hands. So all my protected communications yeah. is over there. You can also go there, and it'll link to the accountability letter, that the declaration that we all just signed. Uh, and, and some videos of the court-martial, transcripts of the court-martial, um, and, and some other things. So that, that's what I'm doing now, and um, and just getting the truth out there and, and trying to hold these uh, these flag officers accountable. Uh, exactly right, my friend, and that's why I'm having as many of you all that have signed this letter uh, on this show. Uh, we're not huge. But we get out there every once in a while. I got retweeted by Don Trump Jr. the other day uh, for an op-ed, and uh, we've got 250,000 uh, readers on that op-ed right now, about 48 hours ago. So uh, we will get it out there, guys. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your service to our country. Thank you for your continued service, not only to our country, but to your fellow veterans and, your, and their families. I know I deeply appreciate it, even though I'm a few years older than you. Uh, I greatly admire the courage that you have, have displayed and practiced uh, and, uh, and will continue to do so until we hold the Department of Defense and all the services and the leadership accountable down to the NCO level uh, that was enforcing this, if a, a, at least some training 
uh, is going to have to occur uh, all the way down. So thank you both very much. And we'll see you out there uh, on social media, and I will continue to share your stuff, and you can reach out to me anytime. God bless Appreciate you. It. Thanks thank for having you. us. God bless. Thank you all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Army Lieutenant Mark Bashaw and Sergeant First Class uh, John DeLarm, uh, two great Americans and patriots. Uh, they have been uh, abused by our country, and we uh, must, we must uh, rectify that situation and go on to the uh, militaryaccountability.com page and signing the petition and sharing that is the best way we can show that the American people support the 231 signers of the Declaration of Military Accountability that was publicized for the first time on January 1st, 2024. And we intentionally use words and values from the framers of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, our founders, uh, in that document because uh, these are just the latest generation of Americans to step up and say, these are our values. You have to follow these values, and we are asking the American people to help us hold you accountable to get the ship of the Department of Defense back on track and back to where it needs to be. Uh, well, next week, we will have Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller as our guest on Wednesday, same time, uh, 4 o'clock p.m., uh, and uh, he is the man that actually sent the Declaration of Military Accountability to all the senior leadership and all of the press uh, and is one of the main authors of the declaration itself, uh, in addition to being a signatory of that. So uh, that would be a great uh, opportunity for, to ask questions of, uh, of, uh, uh, of where the, the idea came from. Uh, and he's a good man. I've had him on the show before. You can go back and research our ar archives and see the first show. It was about a year ago, as a matter of fact, that he gave up a 20-year career, just short of 20 years, about seven months short, if I remember correctly, uh, and was a battalion commander. So he was an up-and-comer in the United States Army, and uh, he gave it up over this principle that we shouldn't be enforcing unlawful orders, and our leaders should have the moral courage to step up uh, and set the example uh, instead of being the cowards uh, that they were and crawled away and just said, yes, sir, uh, no, sir, three bags full, sir, when the president gave the illegal order to the United States Armed Forces. Well, I'm Rob Manus, and I'll see you next week.